Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're going to do some money in politics. And we have my dear friend Hogan Gidley, former White House Deputy Press Secretary, bailer out of Larry Kudlow in Tough Jams. <laughs> and presently, Hoagie is the uh, Vice Chair in the Center for Election Integrity at the America First Policy Institute. I just saw him in Washington. And my brother, Steve Moore, from Freedom Works and Committee to Unleash Prosperity Hotline. And his great radio show, More Money, follows this show on many of these fine stations. So, gentlemen, welcome. Um, Hoagie, I just want to – I don't want to spend we, – we've talked a lot about the Trump uh, indictment and so forth on the show, but I just want to ask you something that occurred to me. You, um, Donald Trump is going to, unfortunately, spend many months going forward. I don't know how many months, but many months in a courtroom uh, because the indictment is going to lead to a jury trial. And... Um, the lawyers on the show earlier think I'm talking about 34 counts uh, against him. They only have to get one to win. This far left crazy person, Alvin Bragg. I don't know how he runs for president in a courtroom, Hoagie. That's my issue here. I don't. I know some people say, "Well, this helps Trump." I know it may help him from sympathy. Everybody knows how unfair this is, and and what a terrible, uh, what a terrible. Uh, two-tiered justice system and all the rest of that, and I agree with that. But I think after the initial euphoria, I mean, he raised a lot of money in the last few days. I was reading, I guess, something $4 million just in recent days. But, Hoagie, he's going to be in a courtroom for quite some time, and I don't see how he runs for president in a courtroom. Well, Larry, um, I, I think it will be difficult. If anybody could do it, it's Donald Trump. But I would also say... If history is any guide, I would ask you this, a question with a question. How in the world can a president of the United States get tax cuts or trade deals that no one thought possible that actually benefited American workers for the first time, get peace deals in the Middle East, get hostages back, um, but make us energy independent for the first time in decades, uh, be feared, loved, and respected on the global stage? How could anybody do that? In the face of an, uh, a special investigation by Bob Mueller, how in the world could anyone accomplish all those things with 93% negative news coverage against him by all measurable data and metrics? That's the point I'm trying to make here is that how is he going to do it? I'm not exactly sure. I just know he and he alone can do it mm. because he just did this in the White House in the face of an onslaught we've never seen before. And it was driven in large part because in 2016, the Democrats thought they had that one in the bag. And when they didn't, and Donald Trump threatened the power structure in Washington, D.C., it terrified the left. And so they decided we're going to go after him any way we can. And remember, 
It's not about winning uh, in, in court. Uh, an indictment's not a conviction. But Alvin Bragg's going to get exactly what he wants out of this. He's going to be the toast of the town. Everyone's going to praise him as a hero on the left because big bad Bob Mueller couldn't do it. Nancy Pelosi couldn't do it. But this ragtag, tough DA out of Manhattan, unbiased, unpartisan, he, he found the truth and he got Trump, whether it actually turns into a conviction or not, all because Donald Trump upset the power structure. So they started this onslaught years ago. It continues today. And it's going to be difficult to run a campaign if you're in court. But I can tell you, if anybody in the world can do it, it's Donald Trump because he's done it before. Well, listen, the stuff, you know, you were talking about is almost exactly what I said in my opening riff last night on the TV show. And I repeated it or paraphrased it this morning. I mean, I agree with his record of accomplishments is remarkable. And given a second term, uh, he would extend all that and go deeper and overturn the power structure uh, in Washington, D.C. Absolutely. But, you know, Steve, more to come to you. Um, you know, given Mr. Trump's achievements and so forth, uh, with which I think all three of us would agree, nonetheless, uh, you know, Democrats do almost anything to stop him from ever being president again. I mean, I think that that is part of the Trump derangement syndrome, and that's been part of their strategy. Uh, operating on a number of fronts, um, most of which I think are, are are bogus. But it's awful hard. He'll have to be there every day in that damn courtroom uh, hmm. fighting off the crazies. And I, I don't know how you do that, Steve. I'm just tossing that. There's other things I want to talk about here, but it's just that one point um, is of great concern to me. Well, I'll just say a couple of quick things. Number one, when we talked about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago when the rumors first came out about the indictment, you know, if if uh, Joe Biden had even a teaspoonful of class, then he would he would um, give a pardon here and, and put this idiotic, ridiculous um, in, uh, injustice and bring it to an end. I mean, any thoughtful person, I don't care, a Democrat, Republican, independent knows this is just a political witch hunt. It's inc- incredibly unfair and it's bad for the country. And why, Larry, why doesn't Joe Biden just do that? I mean, this is lunatic what's going on. Number one, that's number one. Point number two, uh, look, I can't tell you how many people have called me in just the last two or three days who are not necessarily Trump supporters mm. who are saying, you know, I'm, I'm with Trump now. I'm back with Trump. Mm. People are so enraged by the injustice of this that Trump, if they, if they go forward with this, Trump is an irresistible force. <laughs> There's nobody. And we've got a lot of, and you, you know, I, I be, remain pretty neutral in this race. I want to see all of our great candidates. But who's going to be able to beat Trump if they go forward with this? No one. Not in the primary. No way. He becomes an irresistible force, in my opinion. I don't know, Hoagie, if you agree with that. But I just don't see any. I, I've seen so many kind of people who are anti-Trump who started to say, is this really what the left is going to do to this man? Mm. Uh, it's outrageous. Well, if anybody can, yeah. I mean, I like I like that, Hoagie. If anybody can uh, campaign and win a primary, I mean, he still may be in court during the presidential race itself next year. I mean, <laughs> that's what's so insane. I mean, if anybody could, he could. But it just it just troubles me. And, you know, I think all these far-left Democrats – of whom Alvin Bragg is a card-carrying member. Uh, this is what they want. Bottle him sure. up. Make him go downtown New York every day, you know, and jury sits, 
uh, from I don't know, whatever it is, 10 o'clock until 4.30 in the afternoon, something like that. I mean, maybe, you know, Trump could, he, he can get around, but he's going to have to be in the New York area. So I, I just think it's hey, a hey, difficult can I, thing. Can I just inject one quick thing? You know, I remember after the Republican primary was over in 2016, uh, talking to, you know, the people he had beaten, you know, Ted Cruz and, and Jeb Bush and, and you know, Ben Carson. And, and one of the things they told me was like, they couldn't get a word in edgewise <laughs> with what they were trying to say because Donald Trump so dominated the media from the day he came down that escalator mm. to the day he was, you know, won the won the nomination. And I think it'll it could be just a replay of that where all of the rest of the field just gets completely crowded out in terms of getting any kind of message out. I, I think, if I may, I think you're right, Steve. Um, I, I think. His strategy, obviously, is to focus on the movement, to focus focus on the America First policies that made this country right. come to record-setting highs in record-setting time. And I think he has that ability, um, and he has the record to run on to do it. Right. Um, I, I do think that the movement itself is secure regardless of the nominee, but I, we're talking about Trump here. And you're right. He sucks all the oxygen out of the room when he's in it, when he gets in this race, and it forces the field to talk about Trump and not talk about what they want to talk about because right. Trump is going to be in the news. Now, the left, I think, is coordinating this, much like they did in the midterms, to try and put forth candidates they think they can beat. So I do think they, they're they running the same campaign they ran in 2016 where they say, just make Trump the nominee, and right. I'm sure we can win. I say right. you do that at your own peril for right. a myriad of reasons. But the fact is, um, what's happening in America is what's the problem here, and they see Trump as the face of it being, if you're outside of an abortion clinic protesting, the DOJ targets you, and you go to jail. If you're a mom who cares about your school's uh, curriculum, what's being taught to children, they go after you too. If you are, um, you know, concerned that your child was trying to be trans behind your back in in grade school, they're going after you. So now these parents who are no names in the middle of nowhere but are still fighting the fight for the U.S. Constitution or looking for somebody to say, wait a minute, I, I don't have the voice. I don't have the microphone. I don't have the megaphone. Donald Trump is being falsely accused just like I am. Now, all of a sudden, you get these people, and 62% of the country feel as though this Alvin Bragg DA is doing this because it's politically motivated. 70% of those are independents. So if you think he can't win independence back, there's right. a number right there because they realize, wait a minute. This is a step too far for us, a bridge too far for us. We may not like the tweets. We may not like the personality, but, man, the policy was good, and we sure don't want our children. We sure don't want to be targeted by the government because that's what's happening right now, and if he can stop it, I'm with him. Well, listen, the courtroom, uh, I think they go home at 430. So he, <laughs> so, the, so the debates are in the evening, so you can probably get out for the debates. Yeah. Way, do you guys know what the number one cable news story of the last 50 years is by a mile that got by far the most viewers? Trump the O.J. No. Simpson trial. The O.J. Simpson trial. Yeah. By, oh, wow. by a mile. Right. Right. And so what I'm saying is, you think that was big? Wait till are they going to have cameras, by the way, in the courtroom? Don't know. That's a good question. They're not allowed to. They're not allowed to in New York, but I think they could oh, wait. Okay. And I would imagine Bragg would want to wait, but that's just me. I I don't know what the ground rules are going to be. Uh, to be honest with you, I have no idea. Uh, but I'm glad. Yeah, but hey, 
Alvin Alvin Bragg says cashless bail is okay. He says resisting arrest is okay. That's not a crime anymore. If I'm Donald Trump, maybe I just resist arrest because Bragg can't do anything about it. Well, Jonathan, obviously that's okay with him. Jonathan Turley, you know, distinguished uh, legal scholar, wrote a column saying Trump had been better off shooting Stormy Daniels because Bragg would have let him off after that. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. Uh, this, this is Jonathan Turley. He's a very distinguished constitutional scholar. That's amazing. That's a great line. All right, let's take a break. Other side of the break, I want to talk about HR1 liberating uh, energy, and I want to talk about Kevin McCarthy pushing workfare and work requirements. We're here, folks, with Hogan Gidley and Steve Moore. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're talking money and politics with Hogan Gidley, who's a former White House Deputy Press Secretary. He's now the uh, Vice Chair of the Center for Election Integrity at the America First Policy Institute and Steve Moore of Freedom Works and Committee to Unleash Prosperity. And Steve Moore's great show, More Money, follows this broadcast on most of these uh, or many of these same stations. Steve Moore, start with you. Um, I am very impressed with Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise. Two things quickly here. Number one, uh, H.R. 1, which is the uh, Lower Energy Cost Act, uh, which we've all been pushing. Uh, They unveiled it a second time at AFPI on Monday, but – you know, this would reopen the spigots for fossil fuels, uh, would also help renewables, but it's a pro-growth measure. It's good for more growth, and it's good for lower inflation. And secondly, Steve, Kevin McCarthy, in his letter to Joe Biden, emphasized the need for work requirements. Um, yep. I had Jason Smith of the Ways and Means Committee on last night. Yep. He's pushing yep. work fair. You know, you did the numbers on this for the Clinton days. It would be uh-huh. worth close to a hundred billion dollars, but most mm-hmm. of all, it would get people back to work. So I, I like what the GOP House is doing, Steve Moore. Yeah, Kevin McCarthy's off to a great start, and you know, I had some skepticism about uh, Kevin McCarthy, but I think the best thing that ever happened was this rebellion. It's really given him some a big stiff spine now, and it's fantastic to see how he's really leading this conference in a very positive way. I'll just make one observation I thought was really quite – people got a good laugh out of it when the White House said that uh, the um, H.R. 1 bill, which allows more drilling, more production of American energy, was going to raise prices for yeah. consumers. Yeah. And we're, we're all scratching our heads saying, well, wait a minute here. This is Economics 100, folks. If you increase the supply of something, its price is going to go down, not up. Yeah. So uh, I think they've got their economics a little backwards there at the White House. And uh, this should be a top priority, both of those things, producing more oil and gas and coal and all of our energy here at home because it's an economic and security issue, Larry. It's for national security as well. And number two, let's get people off of welfare into work. When I testified about that before the House uh, Workforce Committee, the Democrats all opposed it. No, 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 no work requirements. And, you know, why? Why not? You know, Hoagie, I love the fact that Joe Biden and the Democrats are opposed to work. I don't just think that I somehow don't think that's a winning issue for them in 24. But let me ask you, because you always gave me good political advice. Should people work or should they welfare? They should have they should absolutely work and they want to work. Uh, you just have to make the conditions right for them to do it. Um, you know, this isn't new stuff either. You guys are talking about policies that were implemented not too long ago. The 
um, the, uh, the work requirements that we talked about, you know, years and years ago, we saw the, 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 um, you know, the benefits economically in this country, but, you know, Steve put, hit on something really strong here about uh, energy independence and how it is a national security issue. These are issues to me that are fundamental. And, and if, if the old lie from the Biden administration that this is Putin's price hike, you remember when he tried to yep. pretend this was Vladimir Putin's fault that we were paying more yep. prices for uh, higher prices for gas. If that was true, let's just play their game for a minute. If it's true, then wouldn't that be the number one reason to get off of energy from other countries so you're not beholden? To the dictators and despots all around the world and the prices they set, wouldn't we want to set our own prices? I mean, it just makes the argument for itself. But on, on McCarthy starting strong, I, I think you can get rid of Donald Trump's policies through legislation. You can overturn his executive orders. But if there's one thing Donald Trump gave the party that I think isn't going away, it's the ability to fight and say it's okay to stand up and say no more. And also, don't waste time thinking. If you soften your stance, the media somehow is going to give you a fair shake. Right. They're not. So you move <laughs> forward with the policies you know are right that will get this country back working. They'll open up the spigots for, for oil, for natural gas, for all energy. That's how you get things done. And, and to hell with the left and the media, because they're never going to be on your side, regardless of how much, you, how much ground you cede to them. You know, Steve, I think McCarthy is out jockeying. Biden right now yes. on this debt ceiling stuff because yes. McCarthy's letter was very specific. You know, I mean, it didn't have numbers in it, but in terms of the policies, discretionary spending, for example, workfare, for example, mm-hmm. I mean, he was, uh, it was, and, and he mentioned, and HR uh, one, the energy cost uh, reduction bill. I mean, he, he, and Biden's just sitting there, you know, sort of yeah. whining, show me a budget, show me a budget. Well, this is not the budget time. This is the debt ceiling time. And McCarthy weighed right in. And, you know, Biden doesn't want to go on another date. He doesn't want to have a (laughs) cup of coffee. I mean, I told McCarthy, take him to a drive-in movie. Get one of those old 1960s cars that had bench seats, you know, and go to a drive-in movie. Maybe smooch a little. But Biden won't smooch. I think he's going to look worse and worse, Steve Moore. Well, I don't know that idea of Kevin McCarthy and uh, Joe Biden smooching. I don't know. It's a scary <laughs> thought. It's a scary thought, but, uh, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Um, look, I think that, you know, Biden's position is indefensible. It's basically he's just uh, acting like a spoiled sixth grader and saying, yeah. I'm not going to negotiate. Yeah. And Americans want a negotiation here. Mm-hmm. They understand that government spending and debt are completely out of control. And so he's got to stick to his guns. This is the key moment. I call it the come to Jesus moment for the Republicans. They have to stand together here and say, we're not going to let this you know, train go over a financial cliff and destroy our country. And so he should stick with it. And so far, he's been really strong. Yeah, you know, Hogan, uh, a lot of people say, oh, gee whiz, the House Republicans not going to matter. They only got five vote majority or whatever it is, and they won't be able to make an impact. I would say to you, they're already making an impact and they're already putting their best foot forward on, you know, conservative free market economic growth and prosperity policies. I mean, it's really a, a changed atmosphere. I think Biden and the Democrats and Chuck Schumer are on their heels, Hogan. They are. And I'll tell you, Kevin McCarthy, you know, we kind of chuckled about how much he wanted this job and for how long he wanted it. I mean, he ran for it before and didn't get it. But sitting off to the side the way Kevin was, he also got to get some experience and and learn more about the operations, Mm -hmm. not just of politics, 
mm-hmm. uh, not just a policy, but of the maneuvering you need to do to try and wrong foot your opponent. Mm. And I think he's come out of the gate with some strategy. He's come out of the gate with some policy, with some media prowess that I don't think the left was quite ready for. Now, it'll probably settle back down and we'll have some more you know, bigger fights on the national stage here. But right now, Kevin McCarthy looks like, hey, I'm here for the American people. They elected us to do a job. I'm going to do it uh, regardless of what you guys are going to say. But also, he's got some tricks up his sleeve that I think had he been elected years ago when he first ran for speaker, I don't think he would have been yeah. able to employ. And I don't think he would have been able to um, have experience with. So he'd have that for hand like he does now. All right, kids. Terrific stuff. Those are all great points. Hogan, Gidley, and Steve Moore, thank you very much. Steve, have a great radio show coming right up, folks. Moore's Money. I'm Larry Kudlow. I'll be back next weekend. Thanks very much. <laughs> 